0: Hello, and thanks for tuning into our show. I'm your host, Kim Neufeld, and the Executive Director of Bike Walk Wichita. Today, we have an exciting episode, and I really hope that it'll entertain and inform you. Jack and I are here at headquarters, and Amy will be reporting uh, live from the virtual Wicked Wind event, uh, so I can't wait to hear about that. I know I'm uh, really enjoying getting outside, biking, and walking more now that the weather has warmed up, Jack, what have you been up to?
1: I'm trying to get in some regular rides, but I'm sure missing the group riding. But long solar rides are good for me, that uh, physical and the mental health of it. Getting out in nature is great. I've been getting out with the dogs, going and doing some bird watching even in some of uh, Kansas parks. Gabe's great at spotting geese when we're driving by in the pond. He just barks and barks. So it's kind of fun to be getting out and about.
0: Well, we hope everyone is staying well and uh, we're seeing you all out and about. So that's what's exciting to see everybody out biking, walking and exploring uh, our city. Uh, Just to keep you up to date, our recycle shop is still open uh, for limited services. We are open Thursday evenings from 6 to 8 p.m. and then Friday and Saturdays, 1 to 4 p.m. And we are trying to serve individuals and families one at a time to keep you safe. And uh, so please just be patient and drop in during any one of those times. Uh, We are assisting people with bike repairs. We are also distributing uh, free bikes to kiddos and adults that have vouchers. And then we also have some bikes for sale and are accepting donations. So please stop by 131 South Laura. We would love uh, to see you.
1: We're also open for our Build-A-Bike program. That's with the youth can come and work on a bike. So it's another program that we're open. We're trying to meet the community's needs as best as we can while we're staying safe during this time and following the state's guidance on when we're opening. So just keep keep uh, watching our Facebook or our website and see how we're opening and reopening.
0: Today, Alan brings us an interview with City Council member Cindy Claycomb. Jack shines the spotlight on a volunteer And we'll share one way you can help take action to get us more bike lanes and paths here in the city. Thanks for tuning in and joining us as we talk all things bike walk. Today, I'm really excited to share the next in our series of interviews with city council members and local decision makers. We love uh, learning more about them, how they work to make ICT better for all of us, and what their views are on uh, biking and walking, of course, and active living in our community. Councilmember Cindy Claycomb has been a longtime friend. I'm sure many of you have seen her out and about with her husband, Charlie. Uh, They love biking and walking along the river and are great advocates.
1: It's good to hear from her.
0: So let's tune in and hear the interview with uh, Alan and Cindy.
2: Today we have the opportunity to talk with Wichita City Council Member Cindy Claycomb. Welcome to our podcast and thank you very much for giving us the time to talk to you. I'm I'm looking forward to it.
3: Thanks Alan, glad to be here.
2: So these days it uh, seems necessary to clarify that we're recording this in mid-May. The state has recently recently begun to phase out a stay-at-home order that we've been under But of course, we don't know exactly what may change between now and the time that the podcast comes out, so we'll ask folks to take that into account when they're listening to it. I'd like to begin by just asking you to introduce yourself. What do we need to know about Cindy Claycomb as a Wichita City Council member and community member?
3: Yeah, so I thought I'd give you just a little bit of background on me. I have worked um, in industry and in higher education, so I was... When I uh, came out of college, I went to work for Boeing for a couple of years. And then I worked almost 10 years for Pizza Hut when their headquarters were here in Wichita. And then um, during that time, I got my MBA and then decided to get a PhD. So I left and went to Oklahoma State um, and got a PhD and then came back and taught. ended up being at Wichita State University for 25 years. I'm a mar- I am was a marketing professor and um, it was... a a great uh, career that I had. When President Bardot came to the university, he asked me to co-chair the strategic planning process for the university. And how do you tell your president no, right? Particularly your new president. So I did that. And then he asked me to apply for the interim dean position of the Barton School of Business. And so I was interim dean for about 15 months. And then I uh, did some other work for him. I, my last three years at the university, I worked for President Bardo as assistant to the president for strategic planning. And during that time, I was on uh, what they call phased retirement. And so I just, I worked part-time and people, a uh, few people approached me and asked me if I would run for city council. And my first response was no, not interested in that. I'm going to retire. But as I began to think about all the things that I had been working on in the community over the years. So while I worked, I did a, had a lot of civic engagement also. Uh, my husband and I co-chaired the uh, Clean Air Wichita campaign, um, which was, which is where I met uh, Kim Newfeld, who I think is listening on the call here with us. And uh, I was involved, I was on park board. I was president of the park board. I was on the district advisory board for district six for the city. I did a lot of, we had a, um, a regional, pathway system committee and I worked on that for the city so just a lot of things that I had worked on in terms of civic engagement and just decided that well you know if I'm going to retire I'm probably still going to be involved in these kinds of things and so maybe I should look for look at running for city council because maybe I could have more effect if I was a city council member and so I did some research and talk to people in district six to see if my vision fit with their vision and and decided that i would run for city council now i've been on i'm in my third year on city council of um we can serve two four-year terms and i'm in the third year of my first
2: term all right great yeah that's pretty pretty good uh history there you have been involved in a lot of uh, uh things in in the city uh in the past and so forth actually uh in your city bio, you list biking and walking as, as some of your favorite things to do. And of course, Bike Walk Wichita is focused on, on biking and walking. So we have to ask some bike or walk questions on on the, as part of this. Yeah. Do you have some favorite places that you like to bike or walk in town?
3: I do. So we, um, uh, and I'm fortunate my husband loves to bike and walk too. So we do those things together. I particularly like to the Arkansas um, bike path, the river path along there, both biking and walking. I like to walk in Riverside Park. It's not very far from where I live. Um, with the new baseball stadium going in, I love to walk around the baseball stadium and see what's happening there, even though we're not playing baseball there right now. It was fun to watch all of the construction. Um, I like to uh, bike down to Chapin Park. I think Chapin Park is uh, a really cool park. Um, I like to, Cedric County Park is a great, even though it's, you know, not in the, well, it's surrounded by the city, but it's owned by Cedric County, but I love uh, to bike out there. And then uh, just for walking, um, I love just our downtown, I think, is pretty walkable. I know sometimes people complain about that, but I find it very walkable. I, I don't, I live about a mile from City Hall, and I oftentimes will, if I have something to do at City Hall, will walk there. And I also like to do that big loop on the bike around Wichita. You can kind of do this big loop on the bike around Wichita. And I I like to do that uh, when we can. So I think we have lots of great places to bike and walk.
2: (laughs) Well, we do too. Um, So I understand you live actually in in Old Town. That's a that's an interesting part of the city. Has that informed your view of the city uh, in any way?
3: Yes, it has. You know, I, I talked about the walkability of our downtown and Old Town is probably one of the most walkable areas of town yeah. and, you know, it's designed for that. And so I think it has kind of influenced my view of the city and, and walkability and, and ways that we can create walkability. I also think you can see the um, the vibrancy of a district, not just Old Town, but Old Town is an example. So if you think about when um, you're putting, putting together ideas for a particular district in the city you think about that vibrancy and that mix of things so old town has residential office and entertainment and that mix has really made i think made old town successful because you don't always just have you, you don't just have the nighttime crowd or just the daytime crowd you have people here all the time and so i think it it makes me think about those things as we create districts in other parts of the city thinking about how you create that vibrancy.
2: Bike Walk Wichita is fundamentally an advocacy organization. Uh, we work with the city council and the city staff and others to promote biking and walking, make it safer and, and, and uh, more accessible as a way to improve the community. So an important part of that is understanding how the city council members and, and the city council thinks and works. So I've got several questions about that uh, for you. Uh, in a piece that you wrote uh, for the Wichita Eagle last fall, uh, you said you decided to pursue public office with the singular motive to move Wichita forward. Obviously, things have changed a bit uh, in the world and in Wichita since, since last fall. What does moving Wichita forward look like in May of 2020?
3: Yeah, you know, I think now we, we have to take a, a short term, approach to this and a long term approach to this. So in the short term, you know, we, we have to get through this crisis, whatever that means that most of us. And I think none of us have been through something like this. So thinking about, okay, how do we get through that. And right now, the city's facing um, an eight to $10 million budget deficit. And so in the short term, we have to figure out, okay, how do we get through that. And so staff, uh, Bob Layton and staff are looking at uh, strategically, how do we go about Uh, adjusting for this deficit this year and then in 2021 we'll probably face that same amount of a of a deficit. Uh, But then I think in the long term we have to really keep our eye on the ball. So those things like economic development and talent attraction and the um, and, and thriving neighborhoods and quality of life those are still important. And so thinking about okay what do we need to do in this environment to make sure that we don't lose track of those. Because I think, I don't know what the new reality is gonna look like, but I do know that people are still gonna be interested in their neighborhoods. People are still gonna be interested in in quality of life. We still want people, at least I do, want people to think that uh, Wichita is an attractive place to live. And so that talent attraction and that economic development also become important.
2: Actually, those are several things that I want to get into uh, uh, later in, in this, uh, in the interview, but I want to talk just about some basics first. You, uh, also in that same article, you wrote that uh, Wichita residents can call or email any council member or the mayor to discuss their concerns. I've never denied a, a resident a return email, phone call, or personal meeting, We hold coffees, breakfast, and district advisory board meetings that provide residents opportunities for personal interaction. During your term, uh, and especially during this this crisis, you've been real good about uh, communicating and uh, been open to input. You've had your coffees. I particularly enjoyed your Exploring District 6 uh, series on on Facebook. Thank you for uh, for being accessible. Uh, we, We appreciate that what 's the best way for people to get in touch with you about an issue?
3: Yeah, so the best way is to to start with an email or a phone call. A phone call will work for people that don 't like to use email and then and then what I like to do after that is to determine okay what 's the best way to address whatever specific issue is that the person has. Um, sometimes it's as simple as they've got a question and I can handle that through an email. I can pass it on to a staff member who can take care of it or something I can take care of. But then if it's it's something where um, it's an advocacy type thing, speaking at district advisory board meetings is a good thing, Attending uh, attending your neighborhood meetings and talking to me because I attend neighborhood meetings is a good way. I am, I am always open to personal meetings uh, in terms of, you know, talking things through. A, sometimes when people have an idea or something that they wanna work on, if we meet, we can talk about that and, and kind of help strategize how, how we might move some initiative forward, all those different ways. But the best way to start is with an email to me. Um, I did notice one of the things that, Uh, you had listed was uh, petitions and and I did have someone the other day say they're going to get get a petition so that they could talk to me and I said you don't have to get a petition to talk to me I'll just talk to you you know and so I I think petitions have their place but generally when you want to contact me it is it truly is just an email or a phone call might take me a little while to get back to you but I do always get back to people
2: So on some of the bigger issues uh, that we have how many many communications do you generally receive? What kind of range are we talking about?
3: You mean like if there's a particular issue that folks right? um, Well it can be in the hundreds if it's a controversial issue that people are interested in and so it can range to in the hundreds. Um, I probably get you know, on, these aren't all from citizens, but I generally get over a hundred emails a day. And uh, some of those are more involved than others and, and take more time. And some of them are, are not from constituents and, you know, don't need my attention sort of thing. Some I can pass on to staff because there are things that, that staff can handle. Uh, but when you have a particular issue, it just depends on how big the issue and how many people it affects, but it can yeah, be in, in the hundreds of emails.
2: And you actually are able to deal with all of those? Uh, in yeah. One or like I Great.
3: said, sometimes it takes a little bit of time, but uh, generally if I see an issue that it's a particular, you know, the same issue, I can uh, figure out, okay, how, you know, I understand now what these pe- people are asking and I can, it, you know, formulate a response that I can use for that.
2: I think that uh, some people, uh, meaning me, Uh, see the city council process is kind of a a black box a bit mysterious when you go to a council meeting there doesn't seem to be a lot of discussion among the council members a lot of questions being asked can you describe a little bit how the decision making process works in, in the city
4: council
3: Yes, and I, I am so glad that you asked that question, Alan, because I, I understand how people would see that as a black box. And you know part of it is that I'm elected to read everything, to research issues, to listen to residents, and then that, bring that all together to make the best decision that I can for the city, You know, based on the information I have at that time. And so I wouldn't expect um, a, a resident do the amount of reading or research that we do for uh, every item that's on the agenda. But here's how things work. So when things come forward, if they're a really big item, usually the city manager brings those around to each council member to say, hey, here's something we're looking at. Can I get your input on that? And I meet with the city manager every week, and he has an agenda that he, uh, he, Takes each of the council members through every week, and then each of us have our own items that we're working on, and we talk to him about those. So we may find out about an item. I mean, if it's a big item like the new uh, uh, water plant, when I came on council, you know, two almost two and a half years ago, we were talking about it at that time, and so. You know, we're now two and a half years later and, and just did, you know, a final vote on something uh, just last month. So you get this, a lot of, we get a lot of research, a lot of uh, benefit of that from staff uh, providing us with that. And then what happens when things actually come where they get on the agenda? On Thursday afternoons, we have our agenda packets delivered to us. And on Friday morning at 11 o'clock, and people can tune into these now on, on uh, YouTube, at 11 o'clock, we have what we call agenda review. And the city manager goes through the agenda and he just uh, tells us you know, kind of, uh, here's what this agenda item is, here's what this agenda item is. If we have any questions, we can ask those. And then we have over the weekend to read that packet and formulate any other questions that we might have. I then meet with the city manager on Monday Uh, and usually ask him any agenda questions that I have and then on Tuesday morning we have to be prepared to vote on this and so um, well so sometimes when you see that there's not much discussion from the bench it's because in my case I've asked all my questions before I I feel comfortable that I have now something comes up during the presentation or if there's something I really think that I ought to uh, reiterate so that people who are listening uh, or, or or are there should know. Uh, sometimes I'll ask a question about that to make sure that, that people understand. So like um, at one of our last council meetings, we had an industrial revenue bond. And I wanted to make sure that people understood that an industrial revenue bond doesn't mean that we're giving money to these folks we are it's a process and we're a pass through the city's a pass-through organization so i asked staff to explain that uh, so sometimes we'll do that but a lot of times uh, again i've had all my questions answered and that's why it seems like there's not much discussion from the bench because we've had that discussion with the city manager or other staff members before i am always happy to talk to residents about any issue because, again, I don't think nor would I expect residents. They're not residents aren't you're not elected, uh, you know, to to do all of that work. That's my job. Um, I guess the other thing is that a, a lot of issues will come through district advisory boards, too. So that's a good opportunity for folks to attend a district advisory board meeting and comment on a particular item and that, so if you can't make it to a city council meeting or you don't wanna speak at a city council meeting, you certainly can come to a district advisory board meeting or like I said, email me or call me anytime to ask me, you know, about an item or why I voted on something in a particular way.
2: Great, yes, that, that is helpful, thank you. And, and comforting <laughs> to, <laughs> to know the, the amount of work that, that, that goes into that. Yeah. Uh, thanks, yeah. Thanks for that explanation sure uh actually talking about the meetings uh, it seems one of the things that's come out of this crisis is that everybody's gotten a lot more comfortable with virtual <laughs> meetings uh, we're doing the, this interview uh, <laughs> uh via zoom uh, right now the city doesn't seem to as to have done as good a job as some of the other businesses or even some of the other government organizations that that I, that I follow it had done a pretty good job actually beforehand at, uh, in streaming its uh, the city council meetings and making the district advisory board meetings available online and so forth. But during this stay at home order, there's been some issues like taking public comments at the city council meetings and then the district advisory board meetings have just not been held. Uh, you gonna look at that to see how it might improve its accessibility as a result of this.
3: Yeah, you know, um... So one thing I want to say is that we we're not opposed to public comments. (laughs) I think, you know, I think what happened is uh, it was just a matter of figuring out what's appropriate for virtual public comments at a city council meeting. Because uh, if you our very first city council meeting where we held it virtually and we took comments, they they the way that we did that probably wasn't appropriate for a business meeting because we just took comments off of uh, facebook and youtube and read those and you know as you know in that social media people uh, talk with each other and uh, as opposed to talking to us so it took a you know it took us a little time to kind of back away from that and go okay what what would be appropriate and you know the city is a big bureaucracy so sometimes it takes time to figure things out Um, and so I think now we've figured out a process that can uh, work for that in terms of we take any comment before uh, via email and we also have if you want to be if you want to make a comment during the, like, like if someone's made a presentation and then you think, oh, I'd like to comment on that now, we have the uh, century two is open that people can come and watch the meeting and comment from there. So we just started that just recently. And so we have that ability for people to social socially distance, watch the city council meeting, but actually make comments to the city council. So it's been, and that's come about uh, from citizens input, I mean, I think, I think Alan, you even contacted me about that, about is there a way, a better way for public comments? And then I had some other people contact me. So I talked to staff about it and they said, okay, let us look at this and see if there's a better way to do that. So anyway, that, that came about from citizen Sam, We still wanna be involved more.
2: So as I mentioned, another uh, it, uh, result of the, of the crisis that the district advisory board meetings have been uh, suspended when, when do you see that those might uh, resume?
3: Yeah, So we are, we are in the process of working through that. District 6, uh, we sometimes have a mid-month meeting if we have uh, uh, zoning cases that are gonna go to the planning commission. So we are working right now with planning to see if we can host a mid-month meeting. And then if not, we will, uh, we'll start those back up in June. So that first Monday in June, it may be a virtual meeting, uh, but we will, we plan to have have them all the, all the uh, dabs back up by then.
2: So speaking of the district advisory boards, and you talked a little bit about this uh, earlier, uh, but on the DABs as well as the other advisory boards, how important and effective do you think they are and how do they impact your decision-making
3: yeah you know so I take my appointments to boards really seriously because I do pay attention to those boards I read I I, if I can I make it to some of those meetings and if I can't I always read the minutes that come from those meetings I if it's something that I um, sometimes I'll reach out to my board representatives who I don't have you know dabs I have regular contact with but but well But the other boards that I appoint people to, I don't meet with them on a regular basis, but I'll reach out to them. So, you know, we have, I don't know if people know all the boards that we have appointments to, but just a few that they might be interested in, you know, besides district advisory boards, I have an appointment to the park board really important. And right now, I've learned how much people love our parks. There's lots of questions about parks. And so I have a park representative, a transit advisory board. I have two appointments to that board. And uh, so things that go on with transit, I'm really uh, dependent on my two appointees uh, on that board, animal control advisory board, bike and pet advisory board, um, cultural funding committee, historic preservation board. I have a a representative that i appoint to the planning commission uh, two representatives on library board airport advisory board access advisory board so those are some of the big ones and i think those are those boards are very important because this lets uh, folks you know residents learn what's going on in the city and help us make good decisions so those that whatever's discussed at those meetings comes forward to city council in some, in one way or another, uh, and, and then helps inform the kind of decision I'm going to make, you know, some boards have more input than others just by the nature of the, of their purpose. But, um, I think that those boards are, are very important. And again, do help inform the decisions that I make as a council member.
2: Um, Speaking of uh, city council decision-making process, uh, we've had a number of projects uh, downtown recently. Uh, The stadium, the medical school, uh, and although not at the project stage, but the proposal on the riverfront legacy and so forth. All of these have involved significant or would involve significant commitments or incentives by the city uh, to private developers. How do you analyze those types of projects to make sure that the city's funds are are used wisely? And has your approach changed over time?
4: Yeah,
3: Um, we have an economic development guidelines for the city. And we in fact, we, we just had an economic development retreat a few weeks ago to look at updating those guidelines. So based on those guidelines, they help determine what kinds of incentives we offer to developers of projects like that. And I think, you know, you know, in, in asking, has my view changed over time? I think my view has changed over time in that I become more and more educated about these tools and the kinds of projects that we can work on and how effective these tools can be. And I think sometimes uh, we have kind of maybe a, a misunderstanding about the economic development tools because generally, the tools that we use, the incentives that uh, project developers get, the 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 money that's that comes from, let's say, taxpayers is only generated because of those projects, and so if those projects don't take place, we don't have that money to spend, uh, and so really thinking about how do we make sure that as we provide, you know, um, like um, tax increment financing. So that's, you know, increases in po- property taxes that are attributable to a particular project or a community improvement district where again, it's sales tax in that particular district that then goes back in uh, um, to that project or like with the stadium or out around, um, around uh, Stryker uh, soccer complex where we have the star bonds. And again, those are sales tax that's generated from those projects above and beyond what what was generated before those things went into place. So when you think about those, um, really thinking about how should that money be reinvested back into the project? And I think that's the thing that my thought process, I spent a lot of time on in terms of making sure that those reinvestments into those projects benefits our residents and visitors. Sometimes they're, you know, these are attractions to bring people in from other places. And thinking about how do we make that a better project by using that uh, additional, those additional tax dollars that are generated.
2: I'd like to spend a little bit of time just focusing on district six, which now has six, different uh, council districts. I'm sure they are all have their own personalities and so forth. How do you see that District 6 is unique?
3: Um, Well, so just so people know where District 6 is, it's Washington west to I-235 and Douglas north to the city limits, so all the way out to Valley Center. And then I pick up some neighborhoods out around Cedric County Park, um, kind of the uh, Barefoot Bay, Emerald Bay, the Moorings, Harbor Isle, and some other neighborhoods out in that area. So, I think what's unique about District 6 is the diversity of neighborhoods. If you think about that uh, district, it, so it runs, you know, from the center of town, it runs all the way, you know, Old Town uh riverside north riverside benjamin hills indian hills el pueblo um, uh, northwest big river north end riverview and then as i mentioned those neighborhoods on out further west is a quite diverse uh, uh, set of neighborhoods and i would think you know i I haven't studied this carefully but when i think about the other other districts i think in terms of uh, cultural background, and, and uh, socioeconomic background, this is probably the most diverse district that we have in the
2: city. So uh, speaking of uh, neighborhoods, uh, in your campaign material, you said that all of her work can be summarized as an effort to keep Wichita a strong and vibrant place to live, work, learn, and play. There must be increased opportunities for cultural arts, entertainment, recreation, and more, or we stand to lose our best and brightest young professionals to other cities. Uh, that very much uh, aligns with uh, Walk Wichita's uh, mission and, and goals. Uh, we believe that a community that encourages biking and walking is stronger economically and socially. It's safer and it's and it's healthier. Uh, and I think we've seen this particularly in this uh, crisis. Socially, all of us have seen more of a connection with our neighbors. Uh, From a health standpoint, we've seen a lot more people out biking and walking. And economically, uh, we've seen how important our local businesses are, but also how fragile they are and how much they need uh, our support. Do you think that the city can take some positive lessons from the crisis uh, to make Wichita a strong, vibrant place to live, work, learn, and play, as you say.
4: Yeah,
3: I think so. You know, I, I get out a lot, and uh, particularly now in, during the COVID crisis, and there is just a, a lot of use of our parks and trails right now, and which is so encouraging to me. So I, I think, how do we continue, how do we build on that, right? How do we continue to encourage that kind of use even when uh we get back to whatever our you know our what reality will be when we come out of this i'm i hope that people will have now experienced some of these great things that we have in our city the parks and the trails and all of that and realize just how fun they are and and how much um that kind of, you you know, how much joy they take from being in in those particular places. And, you know, that's part of the reason you talked a little bit about my exploring District 6. That's one of the reasons I started doing uh, that video series. Because I realized that if I could just give people like a 30-second, you know, snippet of something, maybe that would encourage them to go check it out for themselves. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I think thinking about ways to continue to encourage people to go outside and to to make that connection with with nature uh, though i think that's what we're gonna to want to take away from this i think the other thing that i hadn't and i think this has to do with maybe people uh, being able to spend more time outside right now but i have gotten a few complaints about uh trash you know trash along the river trash in parks and so I've even talked with our communications department about, okay, is there a way for us to kind of build on this and to remind people that yes, of course, the city needs to pick up trash, we need to have trash cans and that sort of thing. But just this whole idea of, you know, pack out what you pack in, you know, that that we take, that each of us need to take personal responsibility for our environment and, and work on some of that.
2: So you've said that the biggest issue, again, focusing on a neighborhood, that the biggest issue facing District 6 is to keep its neighborhoods thriving. How do do we do that?
3: Well, you know, I think one of the uh, best ways to do that is to make sure that people are engaged. Uh, The neighborhoods that I find that are the most thriving are those that have either a a strong neighborhood association or homeowners association and there's a difference between those two you know homeowners associations make rules and you have to follow those neighborhood associations are really advocates for their neighborhoods they don't have any authority to make rules uh, but they advocate uh, for their neighborhoods and so i think um, those strong strong those thriving neighborhoods are ones that have Uh, strong neighborhood associations who advocate for what their their community needs, what their neighborhoods needs. Because I spend time, um, I have about 10 active neighborhood associations in District 6. There's more neighborhood associations, but they're not all active. The 10 that I spend time with when I go to those meetings, that helps me understand what their neighborhood needs. And, and then I think they also feel more comfortable reaching out to me because they know who I am and they know that I'll listen. And so I think that's that whole idea of that connection of the neighborhoods and the neighbors with City Hall becomes really important.
2: Uh, so Black has a has a book club and we've read a number of, of books uh, that have uh, emphasized that rather than focus on big projects and uh, incentives, that cities should focus their time on money on doing quote, the next smallest thing uh, they can do to make residents' lives better. Uh, for example, emphasizing maintenance uh, and neighborhood streets. It seems that the neighborhood associations be a great place to understand what the what the residents need and, and what the next smallest thing to do is right. how do you see that fitting in with the overall picture in the city's budget you mentioned earlier that uh we have to have in the as a result of the economics from the from the current crisis we have have to have both a short term and a long-term uh view it's going to that's going to make the budgeting decisions obviously difficult for some period of time how are those balanced out and maybe i asked two or three questions there i'll let you <laughs> decide which one you want to answer
3: okay. <laughs> you know, so i think uh increased maintenance and incremental development are really important um, i do think we need um, some of the things we talked about earlier in terms of economic development incentives i think those important too but i think there has to be a balance and so when you a a lot of things that show up on city council agenda and we vote on are these things that are truly uh, maintenance items and uh, even i would consider incremental development but they don't get a lot of press because it's you know it's not very interesting to the paper to read about for instance that you know we're going to replace uh, uh, you know three tennis courts in, in three parks or we're gonna do some maintenance on uh paths and sidewalks that you know they don't they don't right. care to write about that uh or, or uh you know that we're increasing uh street maintenance you know uh each year we're adding you know a million dollars to that until t- uh right now our plan is through 2018 and while you think well that's streets that also affects our uh our bicycling facilities for example, when we have streets that have um, bike lanes on them, you know, that's part of that too. Uh, so we we work on those things, but I think a lot not much time is spent on those. And then the other thing is, again, when I'm out in the neighborhoods, and I'll, I'll give you an example. There's a neighborhood uh, that in the uh, uh, north end of town, and they have uh, asked for a sidewalk for many years. And, uh, you know, we've looked at it, and we looked at it, and... We've just so the last time I asked Public Works to look at it, they said, you know what, I think we think it makes sense now. And so this neighborhood connects or this sidewalk connects some of the neighborhood c- kids to their school, and they couldn't walk before, or if they walked, they had to walk in the street. And uh, so, just you know, it, sometimes it just takes time uh, because, like I said, they've looked at this one you know, probably for several years, even before I was on council. But we, we just keep going back and asking, okay, can we look at this again? Can we look at this again? And uh, it, it just takes, it just takes time.
2: So, you know, we would take the position or point out that uh, uh, pedestrian facilities, biking facilities cost a lot less than most yeah. road road projects. And as I was talking about earlier, there's some of the most efficient ways to encourage uh, people to get out in the neighborhood and to Im- improve an area. So we're just a heads up. We'll continue to uh, push for those. In the, uh, with I the hope you will. And the city council and the city Thank you. We've had uh, uh, several projects in in uh, which in Wichita's neighborhoods, uh, for example, bike jams where we give away bikes. Uh, We've had some family-oriented slow rolls uh, that we do have been had done on second Sundays. Uh, We've suspended that for right now. We have our walking Wednesdays. Uh, We've been also during this crisis, we've been posting uh, ideas for walks uh, on walking Wednesdays and also for uh, family rides on Thursdays on our Facebook page, some ideas that people can uh, do we participated in the open streets on uh, Douglas and in and in Nomar? What else can we do to improve uh, the neighborhoods in yeah. District Six and the rest of the city?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, I think the first thing is is to continue to offer these activities. They these are great activities, uh, great ways to get people out and involved and all those things. And then I think a, a couple of things is if if there's any way that we at the city can help promote those we'd be happy to do that you know through our through our social media uh, uh channels and and to neighborhoods you know if that's appropriate um i'm and i'm always happy to attend those you know to say a few words you know if, if that's appropriate and i'm sure any other council member would be happy to do that too you know something in there particularly something in their district if they're uh so formal invitations to those are are really important. Okay. Sometimes okay. I'll see them and I think, oh, you know, maybe I'll go to that, maybe I won't. But with a formal invitation, I'm probably more likely to to actually make sure that gets on my calendar and get there. So, um, okay, great. I think just in, I I really encourage Blackfoot Wichita to continue these. I think they are just fantastic activities for our community. Great.
2: Okay, we'll keep that in mind. Thank you. I want to. Turn to uh, downtown and to and to Douglas. Bikewalk uh, Wichita has focused a lot of time over the last couple of years on uh, the redesign of, of Douglas uh, and on more broadly on on downtown area. What's the current status of that? I know that open house had been scheduled for March uh, and that was canceled because of the crisis. Do you know where where that stands right now?
3: Yeah, um, so you know. One thing I think that's come out of this is that those have now become two separate projects. So we're, you know, Downtown Streets Conceptual Plan and the Douglas Avenue redesign. Even though, of course, Douglas Avenue is part of the Downtown Streets Conceptual Plan, um, there seems to be some controversy around that that we thought, well, we don't have to slow down or stop the Downtown Streets Conceptual Plan going forward. By people being upset about the Douglas Avenue redesign, so two separate projects, and right now they're both on hold until the consultants can get back to Wichita. Uh, so I don't know exactly when that will be. I talked, in fact, I talked to staff about this uh, a couple days ago, and it's just a matter of okay, as we reopen and and things, you know, travel becomes more acceptable. Uh, we'll we'll get back and have that open house and and some other things, you know, that we want to make sure that we gather information on those.
2: So, you know, there have been an incredible number of of studies and focus groups and everything. The Chung Report, uh, Project Wichita, uh, Places for People and so forth. And all of the experts and all of the focus groups and everything have consistently told us that uh, the best thing that we can do to... Make Wichita uh, more attractive for talent uh, uh, attraction and retention, and uh, to make it more uh, downtown, more vibrant, is to do something like what has been proposed uh, for Douglas and more broadly for the downtown streets. Right. Um, I think you, I think you, you went a long way toward answering this uh, in, in your last answer. But w- what needs to be done to to get over the the hurdle on that to actually get something done.
3: You know, I think um, beyond just being able to, you know, restart the projects, I think that it it becomes really important um, that advocates help educate the public and that, you know, educate drivers uh, who sometimes don't understand how bikes and pedestrians can be part of that, you know, uh, mix and and educate employers uh, that can understand the importance of, of some of these things that we want to do. You know, employers are very interested in things that are um, uh, focused on talent attraction. And as you mentioned, these this this project, this downtown um, Streets Conceptual Plan and the Doug- and the redesign of Douglas Avenue, those are all focused on making our downtown a more vibrant area even more vibrant than it is and so we have to really I think work on again educating the public and and educating employers that this this is a a part of uh, that process.
2: Okay Okay. so speaking of employers I've actually heard that uh, a lot of the major employers downtown do support this Uh, is that your understanding or what what do we need to do to uh to make that better, better known.
3: Yeah. So, so I've heard some of that anecdotally. I've also heard from some employers that they don't support it. So it's hard. What What would be helpful is letters of support from those employers that do okay. support it. Uh, that That would go a long ways towards being able to say, Hey, you know, Company A thinks this is a great idea, and they employ. You know, we know they employ this this many people, and that that those kinds of letters would be really helpful.
2: All right. Well, we'll work on that. Okay, that <laughs> uh, Similarly, what uh, what can citizens do to express their support for? What's the best way to do that? Yeah,
3: I think uh, emails are a good idea, or letters. You know, if you want to do those, uh, but I really encourage those to be personalized. Uh, not, uh, you know, I, I said I answer all emails that come from folks but if if we if i get 50 emails and they all are this just the same letter from just different people at the bottom Mm -hmm.
0: uh,
3: some of those i'm not so likely uh, to answer so personalized emails that are short and sweet and say why you support this or phone calls phone calls work well too i also think when these projects are at District Advisory Board meetings, showing up and showing support for that, and BikeWalk Wichita is really good at that. When we, at least at my dad, when we have projects that are uh, uh, that have to do with biking and walking, uh, BikeWalk Wichita usually has representatives there to talk about that.
2: So I think we need to go ahead and wrap up. This has gone a little longer than I than I had planned, but uh, thank you uh, for your time. I do have uh, uh, one final question, and that is. If there was one thing that you could do for Wichita, sort of a magic wand, maybe maybe not too magic, realistic, uh, what would that be?
3: I would grow the tax base. I would grow the population here because mm-hmm. I would tell you that if we had just a little bit larger tax base, that would solve a lot of problems. Uh, we would you know if you can grow your tax base as opposed to no one wants to raise taxes. No elected official wants to raise taxes. You know, no one wants their taxes raised, even though people will say, well, I'd like this, and yes, I'd be willing to have my taxes raised for that. If we can grow the population and grow the tax base, that, if I can wave my magic wand and make that happen, that's what I would do.
2: All right. All right. Well, we'll uh, gotta work on that uh, talent attraction, right?
3: Right. <laughs> that's right.
2: Um, so do you have any final thoughts or advice or anything for us you know i
3: think the last thing i'd like to say is just to encourage people to get involved um you know attend your neighborhood meetings attend your homeowner association meetings uh watch what's you know stay informed on what's going on with the city as as we mentioned earlier i've started weekly video updates and exploring district six so if you want to kind of know what's going on in district six at least uh, pay attention to those we have a um class that we hold called Civic Engagement Academy. And it is a way for people to learn how to be civically engaged with their municipal government. So how do I get better involved with municipal government? We had to postpone or delay our class, uh, this spring class, but I'm sure we'll start that back up in some form in the fall. People are interested, watch for those, for the application for that on the city's website. But I think it's a really good way to, to begin to understand if I want to get something done through the city, how do I do that? And it's a, a good way to do that.
2: All right, well, thank you. So again, uh, what's the best way for people to reach you?
3: Yes, best way to reach me is with my email, cclaycomb at wichita.gov.
2: Well, thank you very much uh, for your time and uh, it's been, been interesting. We'll, uh, we'll try to take uh, your advice to heart here. Thanks a lot. Yeah,
3: thank you, I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Wow, that was an interesting interview. Cindy's passion for civic engagement that fits exactly with our structure is who we are. We're a resident-led nonprofit, and we're advocating for a more livable, connected, accessible city. She talked about those ideas in that interview about how important it is to build our community, especially I like the way she was talking about neighborhoods. That's where it starts and building at that low level, local level and taking those little steps that we can do. I think that's great. As an advocacy organization, it's important for your voice to be counted when we're working with uh, decision makers like council member Clay Cohn. Membership is free. You can fill out the form on our website or stop by our headquarters anytime you're here. Just sign up to be a member, or sign up with your email. And uh, we also do have our member plus program. So if you're able to support our relationship building and our advocacy programs and all of the other programs we have here, like Recycle, we've talked about, and other programs, you can donate and become a member plus. We have different donation levels that help us ramp up our efforts, and you can find more information online there at bikewalkwichita.org, and especially check out our swag we have for our members. So there's some nice things we give out.
0: As we mentioned earlier, it is awesome seeing so many people outside biking and walking, and uh, I'm really thrilled to see the growing interest uh, in bike commuting around ICT. Um, with the lighter traffic and weather warming up, it's definitely the the perfect time to try leaving your car at home and uh, test out bike commuting. So uh, if you didn't get a chance to join us, we had a virtual class on bike commuting in ICT, and you can find that live you can find that recording on our website. Uh,
1: yeah, that was a fun presentation. We had to really think about how do we change our bike education. Um, we aren't able to do in-class or in-person classes, so we shifted, made it virtual. Kim and Amy uh, were able to put on a really nice presentation. We've got it recorded, and you can look at it there. And there's lots of different bits of information in there.
0: And so we shifted gear on gears on all of our classes. Uh, so two of them that uh, I think you'll be really excited to hear about. Uh, If you are interested in riding more confidently with traffic, our Safe City Cycling class covers safe riding skills uh, and crash avoidance maneuvers. Registration includes virtual classroom time with certified cycling instructors and a small group ride uh, that is scheduled for Sunday, June 7th, so make sure you sign up for that class and we will send you all the links and information to go with it. If you are newer to riding and looking to go beyond your neighborhood or your favorite park, uh, you should join us for our Wichita by Bike class, which will cover the different types of bike infrastructure and also will explore our local bike network and how you can really move around our city safely. Registration, again, includes the virtual classroom time with certified cycling instructors. Uh, That you can watch at your own convenience. And it will also then include that small group ride, uh, which is scheduled for a Sunday afternoon for June
1: 21st. I'm glad we're able to do the rides with these. Again, something we're trying out for the first time of having a virtual portion of the class and then uh, meeting in person because nothing really replaces that in-person riding skills, just being able to observe fellow riders and seeing what they're doing with how they ride and, and pay attention. But then also our instructors are really good at just riding along with folks and giving tips and pointers and things. I love that Wichita by bike class because there are so many parts of our community to ride that you've never been to. And we can talk about that in that class and some of the different ways to ride, places to ride around town that really make it a pleasant thing.
0: Most everyone who's taken either of these classes have really talked about how it really changes how you ride. I know I'm completely different uh, bicyclist than when before I took these classes.
1: When you think of bike safety, you think, "Oh, that's going to be boring," or they're going to give us lectures about things we should do. But the lessons, the way we talk about bike safety, is not what you should do. But here are some of the the easy, convenient things you might not have thought of. Things, and so these classes are not really about do this, do this. But here's stuff you might not have thought of, or practice things and so our avoidance maneuvers and things like that Um, and you'll learn more of those in our classes
0: so hopefully you have been uh, out exploring a few of the routes and parks that we have been highlighting weekly Uh, we really had a blast with the walking wednesday series uh, from april to, to may and especially enjoyed the photos and videos from our silly walk ict Uh, those were great and it's never too late to join in the fun even though that challenge has passed Uh, definitely tag us in your selfies we would love to see your videos and photos Um, you can also continue finding places to explore by visiting our website Facebook page and or Strava Club Uh, we're continuing to post different uh, routes and rides that we find and if you have a favorite bike ride walk or hike that you think others would enjoy let us know because we would love to share it. And if you're looking for self-guided walks and rides, don't forget you can always download our free Bike Walk Wichita app and you can find that uh, on your Google or Apple Play Store. And if you are looking for self-guided walks and rides, you can download the free Bike Walk Wichita app from your Apple or Google Play Store. For a full list of upcoming events, Check out our calendar or Facebook page um, as we are beginning to add more and more events as we open up. Each week uh, is looking different. It's
1: nice to see more events to get out there, especially the uh, in-person events. That's I tell you, good doing virtual, but I'm ready to ride with people.
0: I am missing the group rides, and I know everybody is. Um, all those charity walks and rides—you know—they really, it's you're supporting good cause, but it's you get to see all your friends and you get right. to connect with people that you haven't, you know, maybe seen all year. So. Yeah. Um, one of the most popular rides around here is of course the wicked wind
1: oh my favorite yes how
0: many years have you uh completed the wicked Wind? well
1: i don't know but i have done it for years and years Uh, decades Decades? probably yeah and i've done the century an awful lot i know they've uh toned it down to a metric century the last couple years but the 100 mile bike ride in may has always been a if you're ready for that you're ready for a good season And so I've always liked this ride, but this year it's not being held in real life, but virtually it is.
0: Well, so let's check out Amy's report on how the organizers have shifted gears to ensure that we're still able to gather together and support our trail system.
1: And it's the support that's the key on these fundraising rides. It's important when we support these organizations, and this is one way you can do it.
4: everyone, it's Amy. How's your bike riding going so far? Normally, this time of year, we're gearing up for the Wicked Wind 100. Winter is over and we ride between rainstorms to get in shape for this charity ride for the Prairie Travelers. So the Wicked Wind is a fundraiser for the Prairie Travelers organization that maintains two sections of rails to trails, the Redbud and the Prairie Sunset. But this year, due to the pandemic, we are not able to meet together for a group ride, lunch, and shenanigans. And I miss that. The good news is, the Wicked Wind is virtual this year. So it's like a choose-your-own-adventure ride to support our local trails. You can register online, choose your mileage option, ride your route, and share your adventure. I've already enjoyed seeing many pictures and blurbs on social media about your personalized Wicked Wind. This ride, for me, has always been a great introduction to group rides and riding beyond your neighborhood. Clayton and I have always met new folks on this ride, and if they're unsure about doing their route and stuff, we try to ride along with them and be supportive and celebrate reaching a rest stop and reaching that finish line for many people, 25 miles is an accomplishment. And really, any mileage that you achieve is an accomplishment because getting out that front door can be the biggest challenge. My planned route for this year's virtual Wicked Win includes a Dairy Queen stop and a Ziggy stop. So hopefully I'll see you there. If you've met your biking goal for May, good job. We'd like for you to share your June goal with us on the Bike Walk Wichita Strava Club, Facebook, Twitter, or just old-fashioned email, podcast at bikewalkwichita.org. And we can look for more virtual rides this summer. I hear that the Hotter Than Hell 100 has gone virtual, and while I've never been able to get back down to Texas to ride that, I might look at riding it up here in Kansas because it gets pretty hot up here too. So thanks for joining Bike Walk Wichita, and we hope to see you around.
1: Wow, what a perfect example of how the prairie travelers and RD volunteers responded to ensure that our local trail efforts continue. Without these volunteer-led organizations, we wouldn't have half of the paths and trails and lanes that we all enjoy today. So thanks to everyone who put some skin in the game. So I really appreciate all the different volunteers and supporters who have been able to help and especially those folks who have donated money because that's what it takes to keep things going. For the month of June, our volunteer spotlight shines on Don. He's our newest recycle coordinator. Don's a careful bike mechanic and a steady presence in the recycle shop. He's been getting sale bikes prepped and so that attention to detail really pays off. This week, he helped a youth build a bike. This is our program for older kids who need a bike and are willing to put some time and effort into fixing it up. Don's a great teacher for this program, willing to spend time with the youth so they understand more how their bike works. Hopefully, that engagement helps to keep their bike ready to roll over time. We're so glad that Don has decided to spend his time with Bike Walk Wichita.
0: Yeah, thank you, Don. We really appreciate all that you do.
1: And if you'd like to volunteer with Recycle, you can sign up online on our volunteer page or email recycle at bikewalkwichita.org. If you have any questions or ideas, or just show up on one of our shop times and get started, we're always glad to have new helpers, and we'll put you to work at a level that you can be successful at, whether that's rebuilding wheels or organizing the parts wheels or just cleaning up the shop. We have a great time. We learn from each other why we help people who need a bike to get one.
0: I love our recycle shop, it's just so exciting to always see the different people gathering and uh, connecting.
1: It's a really cool environment, I, it's, it's something really special.
0: How can you help get more bike lanes, crosswalks, paths, and sidewalks? By helping us say thank you. It is the perfect time to share your favorite bike ped project with our decision makers and tell them thank you. Tell them why you enjoy it or how it has helped you improve your life. Um, Just really sharing your story with them is really important to helping them understand that it's not just concrete or paint that we're talking about. You know, this new path uh, may provide a safe space for your family to enjoy, uh, especially during these pandemic times when we are needing to get out and and stay healthy. Um, Or, you know, maybe it's a new bike lane that helps you get across town safer uh, on your bike commute. Um, They need to hear that from you. They need to hear, you know, how these infrastructure projects, you know, really impact you. So we're really hoping that everyone uh, will take a minute uh, to say thank you uh, to our city council and our staff and decision makers who make all the magic happen. So you can check out our blog post. We have it. It's right on the front page of our website. And that will contain all the council contacts and more details.
1: I uh, actually sent an email to them all using our contact page and sent it to each of the city council members and said thank you. What I was specifically thanking them for is that Mount Vernon road diet project that has been installed between Woodlawn and Oliver. Eventually, it will continue all the way down to the river, but this is a great story. You're going to hear more about this as we go on because I really like the way this story tells what it is we're doing, and why it's so critical to have an organization like Bike Walk Wichita that's willing to put the time in. How long did it take since you put those three dots on there, Kim?
0: Well, I voted in 2014 for that Mount Vernon Road Diet.
1: She put her three dots on, stuck those on the map for that one, and and that was her voice being heard, and already we have one mile done. Celebrate that mile with a smile is what I say. What I did is I said thanks to the city council members. I wrote them that. I told them my experience with it that I wrote on and I really liked it and that we need more. Um, and it was obvious that we needed more when I wrote on a neighboring street, Lincoln, that didn't have it. Night and day difference. Um, and I, I had a picture that I took. And what was interesting is I got back several replies from city council members agreeing with me, saying that's exactly what, um, what we're wanting to do and then I didn't get some replies back from people and so as I go forward it kind of helps me to to see who is really actively supporting biking and walking and so those replies make a difference they're busy I understand I'm not going to hold it against them completely but it shows the you know a couple of council members are very strong supporting these projects and we need to let them know give them that political cover when decision makers are talking about budgets bicycling and walking aren't always the first thing they think of they got big numbers big issues we need to let them know this is important yes
0: we need to provide them that political cover so if you can take the opportunity to just take a few minutes uh, to send a personal email or you can also tag them on facebook And on your social media, just to let them know how these projects really change your life.
1: And Cindy Claycomb Claycomb talked about it in her interview and talked about how she replies to every email. And I will say she was one of the ones that replied right away to mine. And so she said she replies to all the emails not the forum ones. So when you do send an email to city council, make sure it's a personal email, put something in there that lets them know that you're, you're a member of the community and, and you will get that reply back and that response. And so I know we can count on, on councilwoman Claycomb to support biking and walking.
0: Absolutely. Well, it looks like our time is up today. Thank you for tuning in. And we hope that you learned about one of Bike Walk Wichita's many ways to connect with our local bike ped friends whether it's through, you know, one of our classes, a walk, or a ride. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. Uh, comment, tell us what you liked, uh, what you'd like to hear in the future. Uh, also, you can definitely subscribe to our podcast uh, through pretty much any channel where you find your favorite shows. Of course, Bike Walk Wichita couldn't do all of this amazing work without our local business sponsors. As our city opens back up, please shop local and support these businesses who support us. Palmer Physical Therapy for Women is back open and ready to help you live your fullest life. Truck Stuff can install those hitches that you've been wanting to get installed and can also help you haul all of your adventure gear. So stop by Truck Stuff downtown and uh, see how they can help you. Medi's keeps us rolling with their delicious food, of course. And then, of course, Bicycle Peddler, Bicycle Exchange, Heartland Bicycle Shop, all support our advocacy work and are really helping uh, us give you a safer place to ride. They definitely understand uh, it's not just about selling the bike, but also then, where are you going to ride the bike? So they Mm -hmm. totally get that. Of course, Visionary Print, uh, who can help you with your podcast episodes, videos, and marketing needs. And... Dr. Katie Moroz at Family Care Associates for keeping us healthy. Thanks to the huge increase in biking and walking that we're seeing, we have a growing network of friends, um, and they do love shopping local. So if you know of a business that could benefit from our hyper-local marketing, uh, please let us know and we can share our 2020 sponsorship packet uh, that includes a customized promotion plan for the year. That wraps up our show. Extra thanks to Jack. Alan and Amy for the awesome interview and stories and to our podcast producer Christian for cleaning us up. Thank you. Thanks and be well.
1: Bye-bye.